going on? And thanks again for listening to the New York Sports Beat Podcast. Rich Piazza and Eric Frank here today for a little impromptu episode on the beat. Follow us on Twitter at Rich P Fantasy and at Sports Beat NY. Eric is over at EDF underscore 1986. And there are a couple of things that Eric really wanted to, wanted to get off his chest regarding Francisco Lindor and the Mets. And of course, what is going on with the New York Knickerbockers. Eric, what's going on? Hey, Rich, how's it going? All right, fantastic. Well, except for the Knicks, but where do you want to start? You want to start with them or do you want to start with Lindor? I know you've been anxious to get on here to talk about him. So, No, I, I think we should definitely start with the Knicks. Um, bro, I don't, even, I don't even know what I've been watching the past few days. I really don't. Um, I'm really at a loss. Julius Randle, R.J. Well, Barrett. Let me just say, you aren't as much a, at a loss as Julius Randle and R.J. Barrett are. <laughs> no, I, I guess not. Um, it It's horrific. There's no other word. I mean, it's like, I don't even understand how anybody could be doing this when you play at such a high level all season long. And it's like... It's like he shouldn't even be starting on the team. I, I I don't understand. I really don't. It's no last night. First of all, all right. I understand game one struggling. Okay. Game two, even struggling. You know, these guys haven't played in front of much of a crowd at all to begin with. And definitely not a Madison square garden playoff type crowd. So I understand the you know, the jitters and stuff like that in the first two games. Um, more so game one. I thought he should have found his stroke a little more in game two. But then last night uh, in game three, I mean, that was just an ugly game all around. I mean, except for Derek Rose, who has, has reinvented himself. Uh, that was just an ugly game. Randall just looks completely lost. And I, it's, I know people were saying that, okay, now they're in Atlanta. So, you know, the pressure is a little bit off of him. Maybe he's going to find his stroke there. But I think it's so far in his head right now that I I don't I don't see him coming out of this right now. And this is this is not and there's no way the Knicks are gonna win the series if he's playing the way he's playing. They were fortunate enough to get that win over in game two. Yeah, I, I agree with you, Rich. Um I was one of those people that was thinking, you know, get out of New York, get away from it, a little less pressure. You somehow were able to eke out a win in game two, which, you know, for the most part, I mean, I, I text you and I said, this series is over mm-hmm. when they were down. And then immediately afterwards, they went on that huge run and took the lead. And you had guys like, you know, Toppin making plays, Gibson making plays. But it's the playoffs. You can't be relying on Derrick Rose to go out and score you 30 points. You can't be relying on guys like, Alec Burks and Obi Toppin to come in and make these, you know, plays to electrify the crowd. You are the star of this team. You want to get paid like a star. You stepped up like a superstar this year. You have to deliver in the playoffs. I saw something. I don't even remember what it was. It was on Twitter this morning. And it showed whatever it was about um, – Derek Rose, whatever he shot last night. And it said the rest of the team was like 16 for 60 from the field. That's I mean, the the numbers could be slightly off, but that's how bad it was. 
Like yeah. Derek Rose was the entire offense last night. Mm-hmm. And as bad as Randall is, I think RJ Barrett looks even worse. <laughs> yeah. Well, they both just look absolutely terrible. I don't know what other word we could use to describe it. And but you know what? We have to give some credit to the Hawks because they seem to know, and maybe you know, Knicks fans, we didn't pick up on this as the season went on, but apparently they know exactly which way Randall's going when he has the ball in his hand. And I don't know if he just consistently was doing the same exact move and going the same way all season long, but the Atlanta defense is one step ahead of Randall every time he has the ball, every time. And so you got to credit, you know, the, you know, the Hawks and their coaching staff for that, but Randall now has to make adjustments because it's going to be over real soon unless, you know, he changes it around and RJ Barrett, the same thing. But I, I, I give Barrett a little more of a pass for the fact of he's 20 years old. Um, so the, you know, there really is no experience there, but, but there's no excuse for Julius Randall to be a completely completely different player than he was for the first, I mean, for the entire regular season. Yeah. I've never seen anything like this before. I really haven't. And, you know, he did make this meteoric rise during COVID and all, and not having fans there. So maybe, maybe that's something that gets to him. Maybe he's not a player that can really, or hasn't had it to perform under pressure before. And now it's, now it's at that point. I mean, like we've said in previous podcasts, there really weren't expectations coming into the season. Right. And now it's, you know, he's the most improved player. It's starting out at MSG, a packed house, chanting MVP. Maybe it's, you know, uh, maybe it's going to take till a second round if they're fortunate enough to get there to actually get comfortable out there. But like you've said, the Hawks, they know exactly what's what his moves are. You know, like when he's going, they are anticipating everything. Yeah. And they have played very good defense in these first three games. And they're not letting the Knicks really get inside. And I think it's partly on the Knicks, too, where they're not trying to take the ball all the way to the net. Like Randall's made it inside. He gets in the paint. And whether it's in his head and he's afraid to go up and try and shoot, but they keep kicking it out for threes. Yeah. And they're just they're not hitting their threes. No. Well that's a, well that and that was a big part of who they were in the regular season. Right. And yeah. in game two, yeah. you know, Bullock hit those threes, which kind of lengthened that lead towards the end of the game. And they were finding ways to, you know, to put the ball in the net where yesterday was like you said, it was it was ugly. I mean, the game was over at the end of the second quarter. They just let Atlanta take that huge lead and it was like an uphill battle, and they really couldn't get within ten points after that. You know, I was I was thinking about this last night and I was like, all right, but I forgot how stressful Nick's playoff basketball was and right and what it does, like raising my blood pressure. But I was thinking about last night. I'm like, all right, why are we getting so upset about this when really I don't want to say we're playing with house money, but nobody expected them to even be in this position. And I think regardless of what happens, everyone's going to look at it and say, OK, yeah, it was it was an improvement of the season and they're on the right track and, you know, when the future is bright, but I think now that, you know, they are there and they're playing a team like the Hawks, who they beat three times out of three times during the regular season. 
and it you feel like they should definitely win this series. Now they'll probably get swept even if they do in the next series. So it's like, all right, so what's the point? But you can't have Randall. He's shooting 24% field goal, not three-pointer, field goal, 24%. And and it's, you know, you know 30% from three-point. I'm looking at the thing now. Rose is, is the only one, like you said, who's who's performing at a playoff caliber level. And then you look at the roster, though, and you're like, all right, we're relying on guys like Reggie Bullock and Alec Burks and Todd Gibson. And, you know, that's not a, a playoff team, right? When you think about it, if you went in this season, you look at this you look at this roster, Atlanta definitely has a more talented, deep team. And you look and you say, all right, well, the Knicks aren't going to be much with Reggie Bullock and stuff like that. These guys have stepped up, but they're not stepping up right now when they have to. No. And then you look on the other side of the court and you have everybody stepping up and playing for the Hawks. And that's the frustrating part. I mean. Uh-huh. We were back and forth about Trey Young. The guy, he he looks like he has no idea what he's doing on the court sometimes. <laughs> it's, but he's got total control. That's I so mean, true. Every time he enters the paint, it's that soft little runner, and you know it's going in. It went yeah. in at the it went in at the end of game one, and that's probably going to come back and haunt them, and that's going to be what swings the series. You know, if you take out yesterday's game, the Knicks could have won both. They could have lost both. Right, you know, but it was like that first game, your heart got ripped out. They came back. It looked like they were going down 0-2. They ended up coming back and winning. Yesterday was just as ugly as could be. End of the story is if they win tomorrow, they come out of Atlanta 2-2. We've got home court again. But these guys got to play better. You can't have on the other side of the court, you know, Bogdanovich, forget about it. That guy's like as money as it gets. Then you have uh, Hooter, Hort, Herter, or whatever his name is, draining threes. You know, these are young guys too. Like yeah. Julius Randle is a veteran. He shouldn't be experiencing this. You would think on the other side of the court, guys like Young, Herter, and Hunter would be experiencing these types of things. Right, right. I mean, they look very relaxed and very comfortable. Yeah, really do. I mean, and like you said, when, you know, when, um, you know when he when Trey Young is driving in and he does that floater, it seems to be going in, and then he's shooting those you know thirty for th- you know thirty for threes, and he's sinking those like no problem. And then when he goes in, sometimes you think he's going up for that floater, and it's an alley oop to Capella yeah. or to Collins, you know. And it's just like, you, whenever he puts the ball up near the net, it's going in one way or another. <laughs> yeah, and like you said though, you you did text me this. You're like he's he's so erratic, and he is. Yeah, he's he's like running all over, and he's, it looks like he's just. He's like a little kid playing in the schoolyard, and yeah. then it's he's just, he's he's just killing them. Just they really them. need to this Knicks team. As much as I know, this is not the NBA now. They need to channel the ninety Knicks. They need to put Trey Young on his back and make him afraid to take the ball inside the way that he does because he's out there and he knows he can do whatever he wants. Yep. And he's going to get the foul call, you know, or they're going to be afraid to touch him because they know that if they go anywhere near him, they're going to call a foul. You got to put this guy on his back. You do. At least once or twice. Foul him hard. If you got to take a technical for it, you take the technical. Yeah. And that's what it it comes down to. You're 100% right. He's just way too comfortable. 
yeah way too comfortable um i mean uh, do you have any optimism going forward with you know with four games you know maximum left in the in the series i mean is there any do you have any optimism that they could actually still pull this off i do it's not as much as it was at the beginning of the series where I thought, you know, there was a good chance they could win in five, six games. Like if they win now, it's going the distance that, you know, they're not coming back. They're not going to win the next three. Right. So it's, it's going to a game seven. They, they need to come out and they need to just go back to the way that they played during the season. Like yesterday, there was no defense. Atlanta just had their way with them. The first two games, they played defense. There were little spouts where, you know, Atlanta went on little runs. But you also can't expect all of these guys on Atlanta to just be able to score at will like they have too. They're going to go cold. Yeah, yeah. You know, be, even Gallinari yesterday, he was you know hitting shots. So you know, and I I hate I hate to criticize Tibbs because he's he's been fantastic and he's completely changed this this franchise around. But I don't know why. He had Derek Rose and the starters in there to begin with, but mainly Rose in there for the majority of of the fourth quarter. I mean, Rose, I think, played the entire fourth quarter and up until the very end. And they were, you know, down 15, down 17, down 13 with eight minutes. Okay, you, you're not coming back. You, you, you know, you're just not coming back. Rose is already playing more minutes than, than he has all season long. He should have been out. He should have been out of the game. You know, save him for Sunday. You know, for Game Four. You know, rest those knees a little bit. So, I mean, that did bother me that he he continued to, you know, have his guys mainly Rozo, but that did bother me yesterday. Yeah, I know they. I mean, he he's been playing like crazy, and it's just you hope that these last two games where he's been playing so much more, that doesn't come back at the end of the series to kind of bite them mm-hmm. because he gets fatigued. I also don't feel like Atlanta has so much outplayed them. And and I mean, it's hard to say because how ugly the Knicks have played, but I don't think a lot of that has to do with Atlanta. The Knicks are beating themselves right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You got, you, you have to hit shots. You can't be as cold as they've been. And while Atlanta, you know, they've Atlanta's been cold at times too, but they're able to sustain it. And the Knicks aren't capitalizing. Yeah. But you're right. Trey Young has to be knocked on his back. Um, you know, let him know he can't do whatever he wants to. I mean, and if they lose Game Four, I think it's pretty much over. If they win game, if they win Game Four, I think you know you can go either way again. For the as 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 the series, you know, going into the series, you know, we said it could go either way. Right. But, you know, I think I think you myself and Hank Gold said it was going to be a long series, six seven games. Um, but yeah, they do have to win Game Four for that to happen. Right. If we look at it, if you look at it in this through this lens, they've got one win and they were a play away from possibly having two wins. And Julius Randle and RJ Barrett have done absolutely nothing. Right. Right. This is a guy, I they said it last night in the game, that Randle scored f- over 40 points twice against Atlanta this season. Yeah. And he's averaging about 15 points a game. Right now, and a lot I of mean, that's on the free throw line. Right, a, a guy like that should be averaging 15 points by accident. Yeah. So, I just I don't understand. There's really no, there's no logical explanation aside from the fact that it's just in his head and he can't deal with this pressure. 
And maybe he's not. Maybe this shows you that he's not the type of guy that you give some huge contract to. I mean, I know it's early to say that, and he's done amazing things this year. And like you said before, you know, we're playing with house money, so to say. It's just, I don't know. This is this is really concerning. Well, that that actually brings me right to what I was about to say, which was um, as much as this is like a, you know, yeah, you know, above expectations type of thing, losing like this and losing with Randall playing this way, it will leave a a really bad taste in the fans' mouths, right? I mean, because you were planning on on Randall as a a, p, a a key piece of this team going forward, adding to him and him performing the way he is now. Just like you said, it's it's now like wait a minute, you know, can we count on him as one of those big pieces, or was you know what he did this year? you know, just something that was a fluke and it's not going to happen again. So it, it it's, it's not ending well. It's not ending well as far as the season. We will still have, yeah, the expectations, you know, a higher, you know, a higher, we had no expectations. So that's great. They played, they played well. Randall should get some MVP votes for the way he played in the, in the regular season, the most improved player. But if it ends this way with him playing the way he is, it's, it's going to, not be as as good of a feeling going forward. It's just not. No, I agree 100. percent It's it's not a good look, and you, like you said, you know the fans are going to remember this. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're going to remember what he did all season long, but this is what they're really going to remember after you know you spent close to 10 years not being in the playoffs. Like this is this is the time when you need to perform, and I think think if we come back to New York two two. Maybe maybe things change. Maybe he can kind of, you know, rally around the fans and and just start to perform well. But I don't yeah. know. Yeah, he's got to clear his head. He's got to clear his head and play ball. Mm. All right, I know you, you, and I can see you getting stressed out. So I'm going to stress you out a more. Let's go to Francisco Lindor. And I, I, you text me um, midweek, and you're like, I need to get on and talk about Francisco Lindor. So. Um, I don't know. What do you got to say about your uh, your one eighty five average player? Oh, man, I keep I keep waiting. Every every day I'm waiting. Is today the day? Is today the day? And I was talking to another friend, and you know, it was uh, I think the first game of the Colorado series, and he said, "I think this is it. I, I'm feeling a Francisco Lindor signature moment in the ninth inning, and that they're going to come back and win." And, well, we that didn't happen because we ended up losing in. But I guess, I guess right now, the fact that they're winning kind of, I'm able to handle it a little bit more. They're winning with this double A team right now. Yeah, and I'm I'm thinking that the leadership that he's providing is probably a good thing. So I'll give him that. His defense, as I've gone on and on about many times this year, is tremendous. Um, he's fantastic in the field, but he's another one. He just seems completely lost. And at this point, I'm just hoping that he can get to like, you know, 240 by the end of the season and start to find some power here and there. 
but he he looks lost at the plate. And I know he's like smiling and happy that he smiles. Well, listen, he's, he's not putting he's, smiles on the faces of us fans. He's getting $350 million over the next uh, 12 years or whatever it is, 11 years, including this year. So, yeah, he should be smiling. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, the fact that he uh, he was able to take that much money from Stevie and knowing that his uh, his career's I thought he was supposed to be entering his prime, not leaving his prime. <laughs> well, what what's and I am a huge. I told you this. You know this. I am. I I, I love Lindor. I, I've been a huge fan of his. He's somebody I really wanted the Yankees to go after as well. But there is, and I keep saying, you know, to all my you know my Mets fans, friends, and stuff, don't worry. It's still early. Well, now it's not really early anymore. Now we're talking forty three games, one hundred fifty plus at bats. So it's really not as early anymore. Um, so I don't think you're going to get, like you said, 240. It might be a realistic expectation now for him to, you know, if he, you know, gets, you know, if he starts to get going, he's not going to be that, you know, 280, 300 hitter. I don't think uh, 25 plus home runs are going to be in question with with three right now. But but there are some positives, right? He's stealing four bases. He has 22 walks. So. He's getting on base a little bit. I mean, his on base percentage is still under under 300, which is pretty terrible anyway. But what's concerning, a little bit concerning, is that he didn't have a great year last year either in the shortened season. Right. You know, so, I mean, last year was, uh, you know, I'm looking at it now, 258, eight home runs, and 27 RBIs. You know, for 60 games, that's that's not what, you would expect. So he's coming off of a subpar year last year, and now he's off to the start. Now you start wondering you know, what's going on here. Is you know how much of a role I wonder. Now Mets aren't as much into analytics as some other teams, but how much of a role are analytics playing in this? Where there's you know they're telling him you know what kind of launch angle he needs to have and stuff and exit velocity, and he's going up there just swinging as hard as he can. I wonder if that has anything, anything to do with this. I don't know. I don't think that they're, I mean, maybe at this point they might be trying to, to fix him in that way and give him some suggestions. But like you said, last year there were concerns and you know, anybody who struggled last year, it's kind of just been written off as it's a shortened season, but this past week watching the games, uh, they put up an interesting graphic on SNY and through 40 games, they had all of the notable notable acquisitions that the Mets have made. I have and, that somewhere. And I, I will get into some of the other players on this, but like you said, last year was a very shortened season. I, f- I forget how many games did they play last year? Was it 60? 60. Okay. So through 40 games, you're talking two thirds of that. You said he batted 258, eight home runs, 27 RBIs. Yep. This year through 40, he's batting 194. With three home runs and nine RBIs, not one eighty-five. He's batting. Oh well, this this was through forty games, so okay. this was a couple now, of games ago. Right yeah, now we're at forty-three. Right, so he's so he's actually going down to one eighty-five. So at this point, nine RBIs is completely unacceptable. I'm sorry, and an OPS of five eighty-six. So let's let's go to some other players. Are, are you looking at that list? Because I have it in front yeah. of me right now. Okay. I, re- I remember this this player that was rec- um, acquired, Jason Bay. 
who was yeah. run out of here really quickly. Real quick. He batted in his first 40 games with the Mets 276, almost 100 points higher than Lindor. Yes, he only had one home run, but he's almost got twice as many RBIs. But he was also brought in to hit home runs because that's what he did prior to coming to the Mets. Yes. Okay. All right. So let's go to somebody else. Um, How about a guy that's still on the payroll? Bobby Bonilla. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I love that. That's one of my favorite things is that he's still getting paid by the Mets. I, I, I love that. And honestly, a million dollars a year isn't bad for the production that he gave in his first 40 games. <laughs> 237, yep. three home runs, and 20 RBIs versus Lindor's nine RBIs. Yeah. Um, I mean, the, the only guys that really tore it up were – the only guy that really tore it up was Delgado, who was, you know, 40 games, 13 home runs, 29 RBIs. He really um, – had quite a uh, beginning and and yeah, yeah, yeah. Beltran wasn't bad either. Three hundred, just about three hundred, six home runs. But even that, I mean, he Beltran took a a lot of heat when he first came to. He he was not doing what I think a lot of players expected. And I'm looking at these stats now: two ninety eight, six home runs, twenty four RBIs. It took him a while to have like a big moment for them when he hit a home run against Philadelphia as a walk off, but. Now I'm, I mean, I'm wondering though, Eric, would would Mets fans, if Lindor forget what he has right now, if Lindor came on and his first forty games had a two ninety eight average, six home runs, twenty four RBIs, would that be okay with Mets fans, or would they still expect more? I'd be fine with that. I mean, what you're saying at two nine two ninety is that what you you say comparable to what Beltran did? Yeah, looking at Beltran. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I think that you know fans would be fine with that. I don't think anybody would be really complaining you might have some you know people out there oh this is what 341 million dollars get you but i mean what what is happening right now is just completely unacceptable and i know right now the pressure is probably mounting even more normally at this point you would think he'd be comfortable but the fact that it's only him and mccann in the lineup because everybody else is hurt right you know those are not the two guys that you want all the pressure to be on because they haven't had the strongest start. Well, those are your two biggest free agent acquisitions, though. Right. But and and McCann, I mean, he's essentially been benched at this point. Yeah. He's playing first base. He's I mean, so he's actually hitting better than Lindor is. Yeah. So at what point do you tell Lindor like you have a couple of games off? There's gotta be something. I know you can't take him out of the lineup with all these double-A players, but the, he just keeps going out there. And I, again, it's just it's just going to continue to go on in his head, I think. Has he had an, has he had a day off? By, like, you know, I know like you know, Yankees rest all their guys frequently. So has he had a day off just to... I think he's had a game off in a doubleheader and he may have had one other game, but that's mm-hmm. it. I mean, I'll I'll look right now, but I think he's pretty much been out there all season. I think there was one double header where he, he rested and maybe one other game, but the Mets hardly play. It's, I mean, they've yeah. been off so many times. It's ridiculous. I know. Aren't, aren't there something like, like, aren't they like nine games shy as, as far as games played than like the Phillies or something like that? It was something, it was something. Yeah. Crazy. It's, it's a lot. It's like eight or nine games. Wow. 
Wow. Yeah, I have to. Um, I'm checking right now. Well, that's well. You know, I keep wanting to. I keep wanting to be positive, right? And just to say he's going to get together. He's going to get together. Um, but even as somebody that is a fan of his, like I am, it's it, it is concerning now. It's concerning now. Sample sizes is you know a lot greater. Um, so it you know I mean what what's what's also I'm sure frustrating in the back of every, everyone's mind is the fact that there's ten more years of this. So you hope that this isn't. You know, when you look at his trajectory and looked at what happened last year, 258, and then now, at, you know, where he is, um, you just hope that this isn't the player that he's become. Because I know money's no object to, you know, Steve Cohen, but $34 million is $34 million. And, you know, when there's no salary cap in baseball, there is a luxury tax threshold. Um, and I'm sure, you know, he won't mind going over it, but you don't want to be wasting in a sense, you know, $34 million every year for the next 10 years. Right. And it was just, it was when they acquired him, it was a great move. And I'll, I'll always say that it was a great move. And then we kept getting closer and closer and the pressure was on to make a deal, to make a deal. And then there, you had some people saying there are all these shortstops next year. Uh huh. And Mets said, you know what? We want to show this guy. He's our guy. And you just you hope and pray that this is not what he's become because you're going to look at every one of these other shortstops over the next 10 years and compare them to Francisco Lindor. Yeah, and I'm on record, if you remember, as saying if I'm the Mets, I would not sign him to a long-term deal right now. This is in the spring when they first, when they first acquired him. I would not sign him long-term. And if I'm Lindor, I would not sign long-term because – you're going to sign basically a contract for the rest of your career with a team that you have never played with, a city that you haven't played with full-time. You don't know if you're going to like it here. This is a place that you have to move your entire family to and keep your family in for the next 10-plus years. You might not like it in New York. I'm not saying he, he can't handle New York, but I'm saying whether it's him or somebody else, you just might not like it here. And you signed your extension in the spring where you weren't even in New York, you were in Florida. So, you know, and I said, and for the same reason that you said, as from a Mets, from a Mets point of view, I, I don't know if I would have given him that offer when you look at Trevor Story, Corey Seager, Carlos Carrera, Javier Baez, all these guys becoming free agents at the same time this coming year. Wait to see how the market unfolds for all of them. You know, and, and, you know, because there's a chance if you're the Mets and you're Steve Cohen, you would have gotten one of them, right? So so even if you trade for Lindor and you don't re-sign him and you sign whoever else, Corey Seager, Carlos Correa, whoever, you still, it was still a good trade. It would be like, you know, re-signing Lindor anyway, but I don't know. It was a risky thing, especially for that type of money for somebody that's never played in the city on a long, on a long-term basis, I, you know. I'm on record for saying I didn't like it, but I guess they had to do it. You're right. You know, pay love to him. And so look, you know, we, you know, you're in here for the long haul. This is why we went out and acquired you. Yeah. Given the Mets history, they probably shouldn't have because they should have known that if they made a move like this, the player was not going to perform. You know what? Let him, let him bet on himself and go out there. Like so many of these superstar athletes do uh-huh. in their contract year. 
and really just, you know, take off. And you know what? Looking back, if they did that, would I have been upset? Sure. Because, I mean, you did send some assets to Cleveland. But whether they kept Lindor or not, you're still going to have a you're still going to pay for a shortstop and you're still going right. to have somebody for the next 10 years whoever it is maybe it's not Lindor would it hurt if he came here and batted 330 20 home runs 100 RBIs and left sure but hopefully if he does that he would be so loved by the city that he would want to resign cuz and Cohen would give him the money at that point i mean Mike Piazza when he came here there were lots of stories that you know he didn't want New York he wasn't happy here. He wasn't a New York guy because he was from Philly and he enjoyed being in LA and there were other places he wanted to go. And you look back now, he's one of the most beloved, beloved Mets, you know, of our generation, you know, if not the guy, I mean, depending on whether you're talking about the eighties still wrapped in there, but he's, he's the guy he went into the hall of fame as a Met. Nobody would have ever expected that. Right. But I don't think they got a discount in, in any way by signing him now. I think if, if they would have let him play out the season and he would have had the numbers that you just said, I think this is the contract that he he still would have have been offered, whether it's from the Mets or somebody else. So I think that you know they're paying him that money based on those numbers that you did suggest that he you know if he came here to put up. Yeah, you're probably right about that. I don't see any of these. I don't see any of these uh, shortstops getting $350 million. No, because, the, I mean, there's so many of them. Right. There's not going to be enough market. So somebody's, go- somebody's going to have to sign with a smaller market team. You know, whoever, I guess, is deemed as the as the lowest rated of those shortstops. Right. It's gonna, I think the smallest market team is going to be the Yankees. Yeah. <laughs> With the way they oh, do business. I did want to let you know, um, Francisco Lindor has played 43 of 44 games. So one game off. Yes, a seven-inning game of a doubleheader. Okay. He's got four. Wow. Yep. And it, it's, you know, you look at these guys that are performing, like Peraza and Jonathan VR, and it's just amazing. You know, like – and. I'm looking at them and thinking like, wow, these guys are really tearing it up. They're playing great. Even they're only batting 234. But in my mind, I'm like, wow, they're getting hits all the time. Probably because I'm looking at guys like Lindor and McCann who are struggling so greatly. Yeah. I'm looking at Corey Seager's numbers. He's going to be a free agent. Right now, he's at 265, four home runs, 22 RBIs. So nothing crazy there either, right? So, you know, so these guys, um, you know, I don't, who knows what the market is? What the market's going to be? Yeah, it's it's concerning though. I it's been a pretty rough stretch, especially with the Knicks losing now. It's making everything else start to mount. Yeah, I can understand. I can see your frustration. I can I can hear your voice. I sense it in your text messages during the week. So Javier Baez has eleven home runs, thirty-two RBIs, two fifty-six. Well, I'm hoping Yankees get one of these guys, to be honest with you. Uh, Trevor's story is not doing too well either. I know. I mean, the Mets have played the Rockies a few times, and he hasn't really done crazy things against them. But he's batting 255, five home runs, 23 RBIs. Well, well he's going to be a Yankee. Right. Probably. But, yeah, I mean, he's, he's probably the guy that, you know, you got to worry about him too because yeah. 
those numbers in Colorado. Well, look what happened with, with DJ LeMayu, though, also. That's true. I mean, it's funny. Um, I remember how excited I was when we signed Jed, Jed Lowry. <laughs> <laughs> and you guys got LeMayu. I'm like, oh, yeah, Lowry will be much better. For and, the same uh, price. Yeah, I think he played like three games for the Mets. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Even the contract the Yankees just resigned him to is a is a is a pretty good it's a bargain at fifteen million a year. I will tell you though, um, I think it's time to switch subjects because the this negative attitude needs to change. So I don't know if you've been watching any um, any of the Islanders or not. I know this is not a hockey podcast. Wait, wait this isn't this isn't <laughs> hockey with Hank. You're not Hank, but I have a little spin on it. You do. Go ahead. I do. Did you see our quarterback in the stands with his offensive lineman? I did. I did. That alone is reason enough to watch hockey. It it looked it looked it looked like one of it looked like they one of those linemen or those teammates brought like brought their little brother along for the ride. That's that's what it looked like looking at that photograph. It, it was like, yeah, sure, you can come hang out with me and the boys. Come on, let's I'll bring you out to the Islander game. It really did. That's so funny that you said that. Oh, he, he really is. He does look like such a little kid. He's such he's such a pretty boy. Yeah, he but, is. But, but he's our pretty boy. So all right, real fast though. What what are the so the Islanders advanced to the second round now? They play, I think, the wait, don't tell me. I'm gonna get this right. Don't tell me. They play the Boston Bruins. You are correct. Wow. Wow. And supposedly the Bruins are a real tough team. They are, yes. The uh they're always a thorn in the Islander side. So, uh, I mean, we all hate Boston. So hopefully even the Rangers fans will uh, start to root for the Islanders. But Barry Trotz is a hell of a coach. He is. He he left Washington. He came to the island. And since that's happened, Washington has not been able to do anything in the playoffs. And the Islanders, they seem to be winning a series every year. And, I mean, last year they made it to the Eastern Conference Finals. But Boston is definitely a challenge. So, now did that series start yet? That starts today. Oh, it starts tonight. today. Tonight, okay. yes. Okay. So. Which, which, by the way, in case you're wondering, if you haven't picked up on it, it is May 29th right now. Uh, happy birthday to my sister. So, Lori, happy birthday. Happy birthday, Lori. Um, and um, so, just yeah, just so if we when we're saying tonight, it's here May 29th. So by the time this. Hits hit your airwaves later on tonight. It'll either be during the game or tomorrow, and the, and the game will be over. So, I wanted to clear that up for people. All right, I feel a little I feel a little weird that I just talked a little bit about hockey. Anything else going on, Eric? Or should we uh, wrap this up? I think Listen, impromptu, impromptu, last minute, no show notes or anything. Can you believe that? Yeah, I know. It's it was it was fun. It was fun. I I texted you last night. <laughs> I fell asleep to do it. Uh, maybe a little instant reaction to that Knicks game. You said you dozed off. I don't blame you. I dozed <laughs> off a couple, a short while later. I was uh, started having a nice drink during the game, which turned into more than <laughs> one drink as the game progressed. Oh, that so would have been a fun impromptu episode too. Yes, I just I I'd like to just close by saying, please, Julius. Do something. Show up tomorrow. Put the ball in the net because we cannot win without you. 
you are a key part of this team, 15 points is not going to do it. <laughs> do you hear that, Julius Randle? A plea by Eric Frank. He's begging you to do something. Right the ship. Get the Knicks back in the win column to continue the series and hopefully win the series and go on to the next round. Eric, anything else? Or I'm going to say goodbye. That's it. That's it. So that's going to do it for the New York Sports Speed. Thanks for tuning in again. Please subscribe on your favorite podcasting app, which, by the way, I've been told that it's no longer subscribe on Apple Podcasts. It's now follow. So if you're on Apple Podcasts, please hit that follow button. Not subscribe. Everywhere else, you can hit that subscribe button or that follow button. It doesn't matter. Follow us on Twitter again, as I mentioned, at Rich P Fantasy and Sports at Sports BNY is the show. Eric is over at EDF 19 underscore 1986. That's going to do it. We'll be back some point next week, I'm sure, with more Knicks reactions. Hopefully, Lindor gets up above 200 or at least near 200. And maybe he has five home runs. We'll see. And we'll even maybe talk some more. Maybe I'll follow a little more about the Islanders here in this next year. We'll even talk a little bit about that, even though I have no idea what I am talking about. That's going to do it. Thanks for listening. We'll talk soon.